Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. I believe we're in episode 169 of the show. Ooh. Nate Maxson, your host, here with you, and I am joined by my co-host, my brother Aaron. Hello. Mr. Archie Mitchell. What's up? And Senior Mark Brew. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to the show, everybody. And we are going to be continuing our journey through the inaugural Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500. We are starting at 146 this week. Last week, oh, Mark was right. We ended at 147, Mr. Pat Tanaka. But I would like to say this just to begin the show. Sorry, I already popped my frosty beverage. But let us all, <laughs> at the beginning of the show, the co hosts, the listeners, everybody out there, let's raise a frosty beverage. Here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast, to the memory of Polly Walnuts. Rest in peace. Yes, rest in peace, Polly. One of the greatest characters in television yeah. history. All right. <laughs> we had our few seconds of silence. We're good. <laughs> Forget about it. Scoonad. All right. Yeah, he's. Oh, go ahead. He's my favorite secondary. I wouldn't even say he's a secondary character. He's my favorite character on that show. Oh, without a doubt. Him and Junior. My favorite I wouldn't episode. Go that far with Junior. Go ahead. My favorite episode of that show is when Polly and, and Chris are stuck out in the woods. Pine Barrens. Yes, I love that. That's my favorite episode of that show. Yeah, I, lo- I mean, I love, I love, club. I, I love the whole show. Uh, you know, but yeah, that's my favorite episode. Yep. Bruno Magli over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless you guys have anything else you want to address, we'll dive into this Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500. Let's go. All right. Number 146 in 1991, Steve DeSalvo. 6'2", 295 years pro, ranks among the strongest men in wrestling, former Stampede North American champion, wrestled in the AWA briefly as Billy Jack Strong. Very sadistic. I have seen him wrestle as Billy Jack Strong. Mm, No, still don't know. On crappy AWA stuff. He may have even... Also, it says he wrestled under the ring name The Minotaur. The Minotaur. Against Um, Tim Horner. He he, he may have actually been on... Remember when we watched Wrestle Rock or whatever it was? Wrestle Rock 86? Or was that before your time, Archie, on the show? I think it was before my time. Okay. Well, I think he was on Wrestle Rock, wasn't he, Aaron? As as Billy Jack Strong? Who was it? Sorry. Steve DeSalvo. Probably. There was a bunch (laughs) of crap on there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll move on from Steve and go to number 145, Mike Davis. Founder of the Rock and Roll RPMs, now teams with brother Tom Davis, still boasts excellent foot speed after years in the sport, currently wrestling in the GWF. Mike Davis was a fine little worker, I guess you'd say. He wasn't, I mean, he wasn't going to be, he wasn't going to be a world champion. He wasn't going to be the main event. He probably wasn't even going to be in the WWF or WCW, but for a promotion like GWF, he was fine. Oh, no, he was in WCW and, and on WWF. Probably well, a jobber. You mentioned him yeah. being in GWF. Mm-hmm. This was the guy who turned into the was it the, the Viper? The, the Viper. Viper. Yes. Yeah, yep. All green with the green. Yep. Yes. I, yep. The okay, Viper. Now I do. Yep. It, I don't know if you guys have ever watched much uh, Continental from Alabama, 
but he was also uh him and um oh i don't know if i don't think it was his he was a, he was he was good there too in 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 Alabama as well in Continental. But. All right, how do I sound now? Much better. Good, much better. better. I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> God, well, I'm that. I'm glad you're I'm glad you're back for this one. You're gonna you're gonna rave about this one. Number one forty four ninety one. Everybody on this panel I know is gonna love this guy Haku. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Now competing in SWS in Japan, formerly known as King Tonga. Teamed with Andre the Giant to win the WWF World Tag Team title and skilled in martial arts. Haku. One of my favorite of all time. And just and a true to quick, life badass. A quick yeah. cheap plug. He will be at uh, the Asylum's Wrestle Match yes. on August 20th in Park Symphony, New Jersey. Yes, he will. And I got to meet him um, back in April. And. He was one of those guys that I was always like, man, he's got to come around here somewhere. I need to meet Haku before it's too late. You know, it's one of those guys you got. And he was cool as shit. And yeah, I mean, just a really, really awesome, awesome guy. And a a fantastic wrestler. Um, One of the best. And you know what, mate? No, go ahead, Eric. No, go ahead. He he was one of those guys that... um, when they talk about like he was like a legit badass, but was like one of the nicest guys in the world. Like he wasn't a bully. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Like he, he knew he knew if I have to, I have all the capabilities in the world to kick the ever loving shit out of somebody. Right. Only if I have to. Like I don't have to like project not do it just because I can. Like yeah. like I'm a I'm a Scott Steiner fan. But everything you hear about Scott Steiner, he was a fucking bully. You know same, with Hart, same, well, right. same, same with Bob Holly. Yeah, he's a bully. Right. And and Haku was like that dude at the bar that you know and everybody knows, and he knows I could kick everybody's ass in here, uh-huh. but I don't have to, I don't have to gloat about it, and I don't have to boast about it unless you uh-huh. unless you fuck with me or somebody else that I don't. And that's the other thing about Haku too uh, that you hear about is. It wouldn't necessarily be if you're fucking with me. If he saw a bully fucking with somebody else, like he had that person's back. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like Jericho, yeah. talks about, Jericho talks about when he got stopped at that airport, and it was just started out as yeah. kind of a innocent thing. And all Haku saw was fucking like TSA people or whatever surrounding Jericho, and he automatically went into nope. Like, like we're going to fucking fight. Jericho's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm up in a fucking room. Because all Haku saw was like five guys surrounding Jericho. And he was ready to go. He's, he didn't even know what the fuck was going on. He was just like, there's my boy. People are surrounding him. Let's fucking fight. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Right. And, definitely somebody you want on your side. Yeah, to, I me, the, that... the, to me, just the baddest ass guys are the guys that don't have to let you know that they're a badass. Right. Exactly. Uh, I think he would have made if if given the right opportunity, like after his teaming with Andre, he might have been able to make a decent world heel world heavyweight champion for a little while. But Vince never really saw enough in him, in a, as being a single star. And then when he got to WCW, they they well, he was with Colonel Robert Parker as his bodyguard, and then moved into being the faces of here. So I was gonna say. Uh, when you said would have, I knew kind of where you were going as far as the title goes. I don't know 
And I'm not saying that Haku didn't wouldn't be deserving of a world championship. That's not what I'm saying. But I always pictured, for some reason, I could picture the King Haku character with the Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, that's what I mean. Not not a main world champion, but as a secondary champion. Yeah. And then you put the world title on somebody in the Heenan family, and Haku is not only now King Haku with the Intercontinental title, he's protecting the World Heavyweight Champion, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it would have worked, but, you know, he, he, he definitely... I What I always hated, though, as great as the Faces of Fear were in WCW, they never got a run with the titles. They were just always a devastating tag team that would either beat everybody in their path or then come up against the Outsiders or the Scott, uh, the Steiner brothers and lose. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they beat Harlem it, Heat. They beat, you know. It's not the same type of character, but I look at Haku as like a, like a Jake Roberts or a boss man. Yeah. He didn't, really, didn't really need a belt. No. Andy, 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 Andy's a gatekeeper for the champion. Yeah. Right. Number one. Um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. Little insider story thing that I was told about him is that he actually owns a car wash in Florida. I'm trying to think of a witty name for Haku's car wash, and I couldn't come up with it. Stop, all that spit shine. All the all the uh, all the uh, scrubbers look like his big afro. You know, just the, the brushes. <laughs> the brushes of fear. Yeah, the brushes of fear. <laughs> Number 143, a guy that I was never a big fan of. I mean, I could see watching him why he was over in su- in Southern Wrestling at the time he was over. But not a big fan of Wendell Cooley. Who? Wendell Cooley. Again, another guy that if you watch Continental from Alabama from like the from maybe like 85 to 90, he was actually pretty big down there. Um, amazingly popular in Alabama. Well, there you go. In Alabama throughout the South, held the Continental title twice in 1989. Has also been booked as Rick Casey, can wrestle or fight. Just not, I'm not even going to diss the guy. I, I could, like, when I watch it, when I watch that stuff, I can see why he was over with that crowd. But for me, doesn't appeal to me at all. I don't know enough. I mean, one of the matches that it's showing here, it says a CWA Memphis show in December of 88. He tag team with Bill Dundee to fight. Jimmy Golden and Robert Fuller. Which that's one of my this is, one of my low key I, favorite tag teams is Golden and Fuller. Those guys were great together. I, I like if I got if I was a booker and they gave me Wind I almost called him Windy. Wendell Wendell Cooley. Like I'd have him be like this this drunk hillbilly that just always has like a beer and and it's a always coolie. In, his little coolie. Just hanging out, you know that guy that always has a coolie in his back pocket. Yeah, he's always <laughs> ready for a party. I, I just Most looked him up, and I exactly saw what I'm picture. talking about. He knows seven guys that have coolies in their back pockets. All this time. <laughs> <laughs> like like the redneck version uh, of wrestling, Matthew McConaughey and Daisy Confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, all right, all right. I just looked him up, and the picture popped up, and it was not what I was expecting. From a guy named Wendell Cooley, you know what I mean. Yeah. I, I this guy has a black mullet and beard, and he's laying in a grassy knoll with a cowboy hat on. I'm like, no, that's not what I was expecting at all. Did you click on his OnlyFans? No, it's, it's the pictures that come up when you search Google. He's not on OnlyFans. He's on Only Cousins. 
Right. <laughs> and he's on a grassy knoll. Yeah, he yeah, did he's say Alabama. In, he's sitting in a. He's sitting in a in a like a, a patch of hay or something. I saw a Here. meme the other. I saw a meme the other day that said, "People in Alabama when they hear time is relative," and it shows some guy trying to fuck a clock. Anyway, Did you see that? Yes, I do. <laughs> nice glamour shot, Wendell Cooley. Ew, right? It's like, what the hell is going on there? <laughs> <laughs> that is his only adventure. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Number 142, Mil Mascaris. 5'11", 245, Ew. 27 years pro. A true legend, arguably the greatest Mexican star ever, captured the IWA title in 1975. Man of a Thousand Masks, incredible flying body <laughs> press. Fucking sucks. He, he's by by the nineteen nineties. Yes, in the nineteen seventies in Mexico, Legend. he was as, he was as big as Hulk Hogan. I mean, it sucked. I mean, it doesn't matter that he was popular. Fucking Big Daddy was fucking huge in England, but he fucking sucked. Fucking Mill Master sucking his goddamn chest in. Aaron, tell us what you really feel. Well, goddamn, Aaron. Thanks for shitting on the first custom I ever made. (laughs) Sucking on, (laughs) sucking up his little stomach. Fucking. Well, your custom came out good, though. Just made a sucky wrestler. His custom came out good. He just made it of a sucky wrestler. (laughs) That's fine, but I just, like I said, I've never seen anything Mill Masters did that really impressed me. And I think he was. I, I kind of have to agree with Aaron. I'm happy he said it first because this way I don't. I'm not the odd man out. I'm, I wasn't a huge Mil Mascaris fan. If it, if I was going to watch Mexican wrestling, I was going to watch, you know, the Guerreros. I was going to watch, you know, the other mass superstars because Mil Mascaris always seemed like he had a chip on his shoulder about something too, even though he was as big as he was. Well, and I think some of that, honestly, I do think some of that comes from, and, I, and I'm not going to claim that I'm a expert. Because I've only watched what I could find on YouTube um, in my interest in Lucha Libre. I think a lot of that, the way that a lot of us, and especially in our generation, feel about Mill is because we have... I mean, how, how much of 1970s Mill Mascaris in Mexico have you seen? Uh, maybe well, four matches. Say- maybe four matches. Okay, so in that time frame, in that period of time, in that area, in that location, he was really good. Right. And was, I'm not saying that as a person, because I'm for all intents and purposes, everything I've ever heard as a person, he's a real piece of shit, too, like a right, asshole. Right. But I'm not going to deny what he was, you know. And what, I and just, what he did for Mexican wrestling. Yeah, yeah. But well, again, like right. I said, and I know, I, I understand what you guys are saying, too, because I see the perspective you're coming at it from, but. But I understand that too, but like I said, I, I just kind of compare it to like a Big Daddy situation that I think he was over with that crowd. That crowd, right. And that's fine, but like I'm not in that crowd, so I'm the outside looking in, and I just mm-hmm. don't see what people were, I don't see why people were into him, you know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's just my opinion. And there's there's other people and other promotions that I, that I you just said it about fucking uh, Wendell Cooley. Fucking, Coozer or whatever his fucking name is. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't see it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's probably, I don't want to say this, there's probably like Lucha Libre fans that are doing a, a, a We Can't Lucha podcast right now. <laughs> and, and they're like, they're like, all Kogan. And they're, they're all just like, what? Fuck him. We don't see it. You know what I mean? Right. Bendejo. Yeah. <laughs> 
Fuck the Hulk Hogan. Ringo motherfucker. You know what I mean? But that's just yeah. how I look at it. Number 141, Scott Norton, 6'3", 360, oh, yeah. two years pro. Huge go. brawler is a former super heavyweight arm wrestling champion. Trained by Vern Gagne, a former Pacific Northwest champion, incredible upper body strength. Fucking love me I some Scott Norton. I, I don't feel like him. he ever gets enough credit. He doesn't. Like, he was a solid fucking worker. And he's the same thing that I was just kind of saying about Haku, that everything I read about him, it's like, this guy could beat the fuck out of anybody in here. Yeah, but he doesn't have, he, he's not a guy that, like, bullied or big dog people because it's like, I, I only do it if I have to, you know? And mm-hmm. I think, I think that WCW kind of missed the ball a little bit later here. A couple when they times. Did, when they had um, Hercules and Norton at the same time, and they didn't do the Jurassic Powers thing. It's like, that yes. could have been a fucking solid tag team for them. Mm-hmm. Instead, did. yeah, you have you have Hercules and Scott Norton on the same roster that you could put in a tag team, and instead you give us those big, fat, nasty, awesome Kongs. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> who's booking this shit? <laughs> Holy Anderson. <laughs> but yeah, I, and, and, I've, and I've watched the Jurassic Powers in Japan, and they were fucking, I'd like they them were. as a, and Norton was over huge in Japan because they entrusted him as an American to win the IWGP title and bring it to the United States and showcase it here, too. And then when he went back and lost it, he did it with respect. So Norton was, was again, one of those guys that were was more over in Japan. And even though people liked him in the United States, no promoter in the United States was pushing him the right way. You know, he became... Yeah. Uh, 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 a crappy tag team with Ice Train, which they were a decent tag team, but they weren't going to beat anybody big. They were basically just there as enhancement talent for the Steiners and Harlem Heat and whoever else was going to beat them. Then he went into the NWO. Yeah, Fire and Ice. And then he went into the NWO and they ping-ponged him uh, between both Bagwell and then just being solo. And then both went to Scott Steiner and Scott was just there, you know. And he Norton, is a guy. He is a guy that I a hundred percent. It blows my mind that Vince McMahon never got his hands on. Him. Right. That's, that's what I was going to say. I think, honestly, like if if the if he would have went to the WWF, he'd have a different narrative here. But I think he knew that if he went to the WWF, that Japan money was going to go away. Mm-hmm. Oh he yeah. Was, he was making way more money. Probably not even. He probably made more money not. Yeah, I mean that one for Vince than he mm-hmm. did being able to say, "Well, I'll stick with WCW because they have the New Japan." That's that's what they said. That, yeah, that's what they said. The deal breaker was Daniel Bryan. You know, he wasn't like, "Ooh, ooh, I'm so happy. I'm going to go to AEW. I hate the WWE." He said, "Oh, if I go to AEW, I can wrestle in Japan." You know, right. he, he he still likes WWE. He he enjoyed working there, but like you said, if you're in WWE, you're not going to get to wrestle anywhere else you know yeah and right like, unless they go part, there that was part of the things with um um animal and hawk too they didn't go to the wwf sooner because they had the when they were in nwa they had the um ability to be able to go and work in japan and fucking make bank for like three months so i don't i don't think that episode of Dark Side of the Ring where they're interviewing Scott Norton on it and everything, 
Like you can just tell he's he's a humble person. Yeah. Right when he's talking about about the whole Hawk and Scorpio almost getting into it, and he's just recounting the story. You could tell like he didn't really want to be a part of it, but he right. wanted to stand. He wanted to stand near Hawk just in case something stupid happened. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, he's definitely a very humble human being, but he gives off this monstrous look. Like I don't think I've ever seen Scott Norton smile. You know what I mean? Yeah. When he's wrestling or coming to the ring, there's never even when he was on fire and ice with ice train, he wasn't smiling. Right. The guy was pissed off. <laughs> you know? no, number one forty is Fatu, six two two sixty six years pro. Formed the original Samoan SWAT team with Samu in nineteen eighty eight. SST can boast of being three time world class tag team champions, perhaps the most brutal of all the Samoans. Loved, loved, loved the SST, the Head Shrinkers, whatever they, whatever you're going to call them. They right. were a great tag team, Fatu and Samu. Um, and whether you put Samoan Savage with with uh, Samu, or whether you put um, Barbarian with Fatu, and I'm not dissing those other guys, but it's Fatu and Samu all the way. If you're going with that oh, definitely team. those guys, yeah. such definitely. chemistry, such a great team. Um, yeah. One of my favorite tag team matches, the Steiners and the Head Shrinkers, WrestleMania 9. I yep. know that's not 1991, but um, – and then them wrestling that, that myriad of teams in the WCW at this time or whatever, you know, the SST. Jesus right. Christ. Uh, cool story is – SST the, versus Doom? Give me a break. One of the guys that uh, got me in, into, you know, this whole independent wrestling thing, he actually did the job for – the Samoa SWAT team in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Those two coming out to like the theme of ho- from Halloween or whatever with fucking <laughs> with them and shit. It was good shit. Right. Like I just I enjoyed it and I enjoy Fatu and the incarnation of him and um he's a guy that um I can say like I know we're talking about ninety one but towards the end of his career he kind of got he kind of got a bushwhacker gimmick for him. You know what I mean? It's like you've been busting your ass and doing all this shit for years, and now all you gotta do you is you just go out work there that hard. Yeah, just put your ass in people's face. You know, so he got to kind of end his end his run comfortably, and, and also and make also, more money than he ever made. Go ahead, Archie. But Aaron, at the end of the day. He did it for the rock. He did, did it for the it people. For the rock. I did it. <laughs> I love that fucking promo. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> no, for the rock. Definitely... Where the rock makes fun of that. Mm-hmm. Oh yep. my God. That's hilarious. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say also, Fatu, infectious, awesome human being. You know, as far as his personality yes. goes and everything. Just a fun loving, awesome guy, too. And I don't like I said I don't know a lot about I don't I don't, say, I don't want to say I don't know a lot about the Samoans. I want to say that like I don't know them personally or anything like that. But everything I can kind of gather after like it seems like after like like Yokozuna got to where he was, so he kind of became like the the head of the family. You know what I mean? Because he was he was the bigger yeah. star at that time, and then after after Rodney unfortunately passed, like 
five two kind of took that took mm-hmm. that role over. You know what I mean? Like like if Fatu says do this or whatever, boom, you're that you're that guy. Right. Like, like he's the guy. He's that the Tony like he's still that he's way. The, he's the Tony Soprano of the Samoan people now. And it seems like he's still that way because he's actually training a lot of the younger yeah. uh, members of the of the family, nephews, and things like that, and telling them what they need to do with their careers. And he's not telling them immediately, "You got to go to Vince, you got to go to WWE." He's telling them, you know, hone your craft, do what you got to do, and become good before you go there. Because he's seen, he's seen a couple of them fail. You know, look at Alpha right. Junior, that that he, Manu, he came in, and they thought he was going to be big with legacy and everything like that, and then. Fell flat on his face. No, not you know, so much. But, but yeah, that Samoan family, like I said, they're not. I'm not saying they're the mob, but that's like the closest thing to like a mob family in wrestling. Oh, definitely. That Samoan. That Samoan. And, and they are like the mob. I ever watched Young Rock. I've never watched mm-hmm. Young Rock. Okay, watch Young Rock. His grandmother was definitely like the mob. The way she ran her company. <laughs> so, all I'm going to say is I thoroughly enjoyed the SWAT team, the head shrinkers. Um, and, but my all time favorite is always going to be too cool because I mean, I wanted to fucking dance with those motherfuckers. <laughs> oh. And number 139 is Billy Black, six foot, 237, two years pro. Fast becoming a major force. The current Georgia TV champion dominated Japan during a recent stint there. One of the best of the new breed of aerial stars. I don't know who the hell that is. Yeah, I'm, Holy I'm trying fuck, to. Is that Mike Shaw's son? <laughs> no, I it's, think... bi- it's Billy Booger. Wasn't he part <laughs> of that? I think he was in that Wild Bunch team or whatever. That oh shit! Team. Yes, he was. You're right. Yeah. Now that you said that, now I now I can actually see him in my head. Yes, he was. They were supposed to be a big deal at some point. Yeah, they, they were a good never... fucking team. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That, I, yep. I did not. That name did not even click with me until you said that. And, yeah. and Cornette was trying to push him, and he said he couldn't anymore because that dude lived up in the mount, like lived somewhere or whatever. And then, like, like one night it like snowed in like Kentucky, and there was like an inch of snow on the ground. And he said, "I can't drive that. I can't drive in the snow. I'm gonna crash." <laughs> and, Shit, it's sad. In 96, he worked ECW a lot. Does it say anything about him being in Smoky Mountain? He I, did I, work I, ECW. I don't know why all this, like, I when I read this, I'm like, Billy yeah. Black, who the fuck is that? And you guys are saying all this shit now. I don't know how I remember who this dude is. He teamed with fucking Rob Van Dam. Yeah, but, but it does ECW. say Smoky Mountain on there, right? Yeah, SMW TV tape from February 95. Billy Black defeats Brian Logan. Um... He beat Dan Spivey and Kendall Wendell in all Japan. Yeah, I mean, like, like it was flip flop back and forth from them putting him over and shit. And then IWA, he uh, jobbed out the Vampiro. But number one thirty eight is Jimmy Jack Funk, six foot tall, two forty three, ten years pro, claims to be a member of the famous Funk family, son of former grappler Jesse Barr. Boasts an excellent bulldog headlock, currently competing in PNW. I think it's funny that people would make fun of the fact that they came up with a fake funk brother, but here, what, five years later, he knows where his bread's buttered and he's still wrestling as Jimmy Jack Funk. He's like, you know what? They made me a funk. I'm going to wrestle as a funk. I'm going to be a funk, right? (laughs) That's right. Funk. Funk. Embody that shit. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) 
Number 137 is Dan Davis, 5'9", 218, 14 years pro. Nightmare is a premier light heavyweight, a former CWF and CWA junior heavyweight champion. Currently holds the USWA version. Enemy of former partner Ken Wayne. All right, so for younger listeners, for younger listeners that aren't necessarily um, attuned to what I'm going to say, you, you should all thank Danny Davis for a lot. Like yes. John Cena, Batista, Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton, OVW. Shelton Benjamin, right. yeah. Eugene. Eugene. Right. Uh, um, nobody talks about the guy enough. Fucking Rob Conway. Mm-hmm. God damn. Just Rob, Rob, Conway, Rob Conway not being a fucking megastar just blows my fucking mind. But I know we're not talking about Rob Conway. We're talking about... It does? Andy. Huh? Yeah, Rob Conway had a fucking great look. He could work. He could talk. Yeah, he had a physique for sure. Like, I don't like music that. though. That's not his fault. He sang yeah. it. <laughs> he didn't sing it. That was him. That Just wasn't him. Look at me. That wasn't yeah. him. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. I think it was. I think you're All right. right. I don't know. I, don't, I thought you said that was such conviction. It wasn't his fault. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) This episode is going to be entitled Rob Conway's Lawyer, Aaron Maxson. It wasn't his fault. (laughs) He wasn't even there. He quit. (laughs) But but in that crowd in, in that group, I think he's I think he's super fucking underrated. And um, but speaking of like Danny Davis, it's like Nate said, Danny Davis um, actually was like a very good fucking worker. Mm-hmm. Um, small guy. Yep. That's the biggest thing that went against the him. nightmare. The nightmares were a great tag team. Yeah, I mean he he was fucking little. Like he's Bobby or Bobby. He's he's like Bill Dundee sized. So that was against him. And I, he was also a homesteader. And there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it. Um. One of my favorite things ever is when um, John Laronitis, Cornette's talking about John Laronitis took over talent relations, talent relations from Jim Ross, and um, like Jim Ross kind of work with Davis and Cornette of being like, "Hey, who who's doing really good? We're gonna bring these people up. You know, I'll let you know when." You know, so you can finish him out and all this shit. Well, Laronitis would just grab people and be like, "All right, he's we're we're taking him now," and not give him any warning. Right? You know, shit. And then, uh, like, like they shaved um, Doug Basham's hair. They like shaved his head off because they wanted to see how he looked bald. And then fucking Doug Basham comes back and he's bald, and he's like, "Jesus Christ, why are you bald?" And he's like, "They wanted to see how I looked bald." And he goes, why couldn't they have told me? And I could have had you and Damage have like a hair versus hair match and actually made some right. you know, right. like, but but that's what Laronitis was doing. So then Laronitis was like Danny, like he stopped him, he he got him one day and he's like, Danny, I hate to say it, but we uh we think we're gonna go ahead and, and sever ties from the OVW. You're not gonna be our uh our developmental territory anymore. And Danny Davis was like, Thanks, Johnny. I've been waiting for this. Like I'm dying. <laughs> like my God. I think I, I think OVW I, is still actually going on. 
it is. Al runs it now. Yeah. Al Snow bought yeah, it. Al Snow runs it now. But yeah, Danny Davis is like, you're two grand a week, isn't or you're two yeah. grand a month ain't worth it. Like, I'm <laughs> fucking done with you people. Thank you. Number one thirty-six here on the five hundred. Brad Regans, six foot two forty-eight, eleven years pro, former AAU champion. Whenever I see the AAU, I just think of Iron Sheik. Um, is a technical master, the current LPWA trainer, teamed with Ken Patera to win the AWA tag title, smooth as silk. Brad Riggins, great wrestler, boring though to me, not a, I'm not a fan. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm not a fan, but I'm not going to be like, you know what I want to watch tonight? Brad Riggins. So I don't have a lot to say about him. He was a fine wrestler, obviously. He was a great athlete. Uh, ugly fucking mug. <laughs> he's a, he's, God, he's a, a face only a mother can love. I would say um, better trainer than wrestler. Does that make sense? He probably, yes, and. Like the more, the the most he contributed was his training of people. He's one of those guys where you're like, all right, he's wrestling in 1980 or 1991. So, which means he was probably born in the 60s, maybe the late 50s. He should have probably been born in the 20s so he could wrestle in 19. 42 or 48 or you know what i mean like he he would have fit in with thez and all that group because he's that type of a wrestler yeah i don't know judging by what i'm i'm reading right here is like it's kind of like they paired the up-and-coming stars with him to i guess to kind of see how they get over yeah and they did yeah they did because he was a good worker he could he could do that you know he could do he was a good hand so he could work like uh um Less, less Thatcher. Yeah, he you was know. the guy that was. If and, and I could be, a, I could be totally fucking misremembering anything, but like you know when Ganya had his like training classes and shit, Ganya wasn't in the ring um, working those people, like training them. He was on the outside, and um, fucking what's his goddamn name? His name just went right out of my head. Brad Riggins? No, the <laughs> oh fuck, <laughs> little shooter British guy. Oh, Les Thornton? No, Billy Robinson? Yeah, Billy Robinson. Billy Robinson was the guy training people <laughs> during Ganya's class because you hear about like Iron Sheik swelling up on him and shit like that. And I think when Robinson went away, that became Reagan Brad Reagan's job. Like he was the guy training people in the AWA classes. And that's why they would put him with, okay, we think this guy's good. Let's put him with Brad and Brad keeps him out of work. You yeah. Know I mean? And see what kind of reaction they can get out. Brad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we spent too much time on Brad Rangans. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say anything because I don't know what the hell it is. 135 is Akira Nogami. Five, nine, two, 16 to four years pro living proof that hard work pays off. Twice defeated Jushin Liger to win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. This came after years of languishing in prelims. I got nothing. Isn't that where you sold paper? <laughs> that's origami. Yeah, origami. Yeah. That's what <laughs> yeah, ain't that what you said? Origami? <laughs> yeah, you said Naito origami. I, I, I didn't say a Naito or origami. I said Akira Nogami. <laughs> I wasn't that oh, so he can't hold I love that you guys made up a completely different name for this cat. I, I was going to say, fuck him, let him eat fish heads, but he probably does because he's Japanese. <laughs> the Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> <laughs> 
Number 134, Tito Santana. 6'1", 245, 16 years pro, fiery, fiery Latin, star as a WWF stalwart, two-time IC champion, held the WWF World Tag Titles with Ivan Putski and Rick Martel. You almost said Ivan Putski. You almost called Ivan Putski, Ivan Putski, yeah. Ivan <laughs> Putski. And his son, Scott Pussy. Um, he hit with a Polish hammer. Yeah. I can hear Howard Finkel now. Ivan Pussy. Um, the Tito, man, a constant. As a, as a fan, as a kid, and a teenager, or whatever, watching the WWF, Tito was always there. You know, he was the constant. He was the guy. I mean, yeah, Hogan was there. Savage was there. But Tito was always the guy where Tito would come in and be like, yeah, this is going to be a good-ass match. Tito Santana's coming out. And he's probably fucking right. wrestling Rick Martell. God damn, how many times are these guys going to wrestle? I don't know what the fuck Ariba means, but it sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> Ariba McIntyre. He's a singer, yeah. <laughs> can, the name of the yeah show, I mean, can the name of the show be Ivan Pussy? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let Ivan Pussy die. (laughs) He's not gonna let you beat it to death. (laughs) So about Tito Santana, Ivan Pussy's former tag team partner, by the way. What, anybody else have any other thoughts on Tito? When I was on? younger, I was a Tito fan. Um, I liked him with Rick Martello's strike force. I think mm-hmm. they had a little bit longer of a run. Um, then when they made him El Matador, I thought that he had a pretty good feud with Shawn Michaels. Uh, those, you know, they, they always had a great matchup with one another. It's probably why they feuded for so long. The story uh, is, the story is when they, when, when they were trying to decide who was going to beat Flair for the belt, it was either Tito or Brett. Like Tito was really? kind of the yes. Tito yeah. was the sentimental guy. Like yeah, Pat Patterson's, like you know, like a lifetime achievement award kind of thing for Tito. That's why they, that's why they did the El Matador gimmick because they wanted him to like Vince was thinking about um, like because the American in like I want to say it ticket sales and shit were down in the U.S. So Vince was thinking about either becoming a regional promotion again or expanding internationally and Brett was over internationally. And then he was thinking about Tito being like Mexico and Latin America and all that. And they ended up going with Brett and the only, I shouldn't say the only reason I think part of it had to do with age. Yeah. You know, it's like age and whatever. And I don't think Tito from everything I ever hear about the guy would have wanted that because he seemed like he, like he was more of a fan. It, it's like, um, Sean Michael said all them, him and the click would be driving around and Scott Hall and all them. We were like, we just want that Tito thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to be able to be here, get to the show safe, work safe and get home to mama and the kids and just, relax you know it's like that mm-hmm. tito thing like this dude figured it fucking out and he's been here forever and and um that, that's part I, I think i don't think tito's thing. honestly i think if they would have been like tito we want to make you the champ he would be like i'm good Arriba. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Adios. <laughs> <laughs> number 133 is brick house brown 
225, nine years pro, Memphis favorite has a fantastic physique, has fluctuated between being a fan favorite and a rule breaker several times, the original wrestling rapper. I'm not going to diss Brickhouse Brown, but I don't see how you rank him above Tito Santana. That happens a lot in, on this list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right, but I just, I don't know. He was fine. Yeah. I, so I, he I don't also have a, had the ring name MC Slammer. Yes, he did. And, uh, and he, isn't he, he, is he the one? from prostate cancer? Yeah, not too long ago. It was like, uh, I think 2019, maybe he died. Yeah, he died, he yeah, died like yeah. twice. Like they thought he died. Mm-hmm. He yeah, he's one of those guys where they reported that he was dead and they were like, oh, wait, he's not dead. Yeah. And then the next day he's they were the, like, all right, now he's really dead. <laughs> he's the same guy that it was like him, Brian Christopher, and somebody else all basically died on the same day. This is uh, July 2018. 2018, okay, yeah. But, like, three guys died, and I think it was Brickhouse Brown, uh, Brian Christopher, and somebody else. I can't remember. Was it, it wasn't Nikolai Volkov, was it? <laughs> what, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, Brickhouse is also the guy that said he, he left the note. Brickhouse is also the guy that said that he was gonna go to the WWF, and then he was in a he was in an in an elevator with Pat Patterson, and Pat Patterson says, "Ooh, Brickhouse, I really love how you look in those jeans." And he was like, "I don't need that job that bad." <laughs> oh God! But he did go to WWF in '95 on Superstar Wrestling Challenge and stuff like that. So he no. did need that job pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, he went up against Henry O. Godwin and Triple H. Number 132 is Steve Armstrong, 6'1, 212, eight years pro, a member of the Young Pistols with Tracy Smothers, son of veteran Bob Armstrong, fastest of all the Armstrong clan, remarkably limber. Steve Armstrong, great worker. Definitely. One of the. I mean, he doesn't get credit for being one of the better of the brothers, but um, as a tag team worker, which he's the best of the brothers. Fantastic. I agree. I agree. But when people you think of the brothers, they born? think of Brad like, and, and, and BG. You know, you know where he was born? And, and Nate, knows how big, Nate knows how big of a fan I am of Brad Armstrong, but Steve was he, he was the guy that had all of it. Like, he could talk he could work like a fucking nobody's business. Um, uh, was like charismatic. Every like he was he he was the best one out of all of them. He was the first yes, one to get hired by Vince. Yeah, that. I mean if like, you, he worked if you, for if, the WWE. If you're talking about a family, you know, of of the Armstrong family, comparing them to the Hart family, Steve is the Bret Hart of the Armstrong family. I agree you know? with that. I agree with that. Like Aaron said, the complete package. Where was he born, Mark? Marietta, Georgia. (laughs) Oh. When, um, I don't know, I just, the Armstrongs are great, and Steve was great, and that Young Pistols tag team was fantastic. Yeah, they were. They were. Even when they were the wild-eyed Southern boys, and, you know, they had the Confederate flag and all that. It doesn't age well, but the wrestling does. 
You know. yeah, but at the time, nobody was noticing that flag and saying, right, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, it means this and it means that. They, that just meant that they were southern. They were good old southern boys, and they were there to represent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yes, now in twenty twenty two, everybody would rip that gimmick apart. But you know, um, all right. Now we'll see if Aaron gets back with us here. He's he's gone off the off the grid. Number one thirty one. A guy that is still going today and is legit probably in my favorite top 25 wrestlers of all time, and it's Dustin Rhodes. Six, four and a half, 254, three years pro. Son of the legendary Dusty Rhodes is making an important, making important strides, quickly becoming a WCW contender. Won the PWF Florida title during, rookie, during his rookie year in 89, The Natural. Let me say, yeah. Dustin, it's Dustin's career is crazy because he's one of those guys who has just this multi-chaptered career. You know, right, right. you have you have young Dustin who was amazing. You know, and and everybody everybody who listens to this show regularly knows how much I I love his father. But he has the the young Dustin career, and then the gold dust career. And then there's the demons, you know, there's that time and where he's just, he's out of shape and you don't know what's going on and it's spiraling out of control. Right. And then he gets it back. And, and, and at his age, what is he like 54 now or something? <laughs> he is still, start, he could. I'm going to kick me off. So we're talking about Dustin now. Yes. Yeah. At his age. Well, he was at born his age, April 10th, 1969. Okay. And at his age. He could still go out there and wrestle with the best of them. He's so fucking good. Did you watch his match a few months ago with Punk? I know you don't watch AEW. Yes. No, no, I, I watch but, AEW. I just don't watch but he all of it. <laughs> traded hold for hold with CM Punk. And yeah, Punk ain't as young as he used to be. The, and ain't as crisp as he used to be. But I mean, he's had been he's been having matches like that for the last five years, the, even the last couple of years with WWE. I'll, I'll say this. The, the I, best. I'm not, the, I'm not a big uh, hold, on. hold on, Aaron. Just one thing I'll say. The best, okay, since the beginning of AEW, all right, Archie? Mm-hmm. The best match in that promotion's history is Cody and Dustin. Oh, definitely. That's exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. The best definitely. thing that fucking company ever did was the first fucking thing they did that I know of <laughs> was goddamn Cody and, and, and Dustin. Yep. It was fucking fantastic. Something Vince was, something Vince was afraid to pull the trigger on because he didn't think it would draw. Mm-hmm. And those and two they, guys they like, did it perfectly. Vince? We're gonna do it, right? Boy, he right. kicked himself in the ass for that, didn't he? <laughs> right? No, and... but Dustin Rhodes for the last five years, like I said, since even before he left the WWE, he got himself in crazy shape. He got in a better mood set, and he's just been putting on consistent matches with guys that are sometimes thirty years younger than him. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. that that's definitely deserving of a great career. And he was a guy that. And people can say what they want to say about Vince, because Vince would would um, trust more like like a Patterson or a Briscoe or whatever to like give him people like who who who's who's the next thing you know I'll trust your word on it. Like Dustin, when Dustin went there and they did like his shit with like Virgil and DiBiase and all that, he was a guy that Vince was like this kid's fucking talent. Yeah, because when they left, um, Dusty even said that Vince were leaving, and Vince told him, 
I don't know when, but eventually, I'm, I'm going to be taking your boy away from you. Like I'm bringing yeah. that kid, I'm bringing that kid back. Like that that guy was so fucking good that there was a point where Vince was wanting to bring him back to be a heel and work with Hogan. Mm-hmm. That's how fucking good he was. And they just they never they were never able to pull it off. But Dustin Dustin Rhodes is fucking fantastic. And, and, and it's like Nate said, it's like it's insane. Like he shouldn't be that fucking good. And he shouldn't mm-hmm. be in that good of fucking shape. He's like a Billy Gunn. And he it's like yeah, it's and he's good how he's, shape this guy is for being as old as he is. I, I, and I don't get I don't get like um I don't know. I don't get cheesy a lot as far as like celebrities go and so I'm not I'm not like a celebrity guy, you know. Oh, this celebrity inspires me or whatever. But when I one thing I will say is Dustin is one of those guys who knowing everything that he went through, yep. knowing the demons that he overcame, knowing all of the stuff that went on in his career and the shit he went through and everything like that, his positivity is fucking infectious, man. Yep. He is like so po- I like he is so positive and so I mean, I would just it's one of those guys who are like, Man, I'd love to fucking hang out with this dude. Yeah. He's a non annoying brain. He's a what? He's a non-annoying DDP. <laughs> my uh, my favorite thing Dustin Rhodes ever did was in WCW. I think it was like late '98 or '99 when they were making him seven, and then they canned the the uh, character. But he still did the Undertaker like yeah. entrance. Yeah, just he one time. Ring, rips the hat off and looks. Like, this is going to be the last time you see this shit because <laughs> I'm not doing this. I didn't come here to play Halloween. Complete I didn't want to look like Uncle Fester. Yeah. I'm done. He Uncle fired Fester, my father. When he said, because here's the crap. If you were not an insider in wrestling, like if you didn't read the dirt sheets and you didn't know what was going on back then, you didn't know Dusty got fired by the by WCW right. back then until three months later when he showed up in the WWF. Yeah. So when he said, you fired my father and now I'm going to make your life a living hell. And he was just like, Damn. And the little, kid, the little kid that, that Seven was creeping on in his bedroom yep. was Cody. Was it? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, it was. Wow. I never knew that. All right. Number 130, another one of the greats here. Cowboy Bob Orton. 6'1", yes. 245, 19 years pro. The Ace. Won 1973 PWI Rookie of the Year Award. Formerly a bodyguard for Roddy Piper, originator and master of the top rope superplex. And also the man who spawned one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Randy Orton. But yes, Bob Orton, uh, goddamn. A Roddy Piper, nothing like it's it's not even a funny line, but it's just a great line. He's just like, oh, my name, my name's Roddy Piper. I I don't do a good Roddy Piper, but he's like, my my name's Roddy Piper. That over there, that's that's my bodyguard ace. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, he's great. He's great. If I if I if I lose tonight, I'll 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 stop. I'll stop. I'll stop dating girls. I'll or no. I'll stop playing tiddlywinks. I'll stop dating girls. <laughs> I'm going with you, Ace. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and Ace just got to be there and react. But bell to bell in the ring. What a fucking wrestler. Yeah. yeah and, and, in the nineties, he was UWF a lot. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things is Piper talking about WrestleMania. 
and how it was like Piper and Ace kind of drawing that shit. You know what I mean? And and they said after it was all said and done, like WrestleMania was over, and T and Hogan were like ushered off in a limo off to the party, and Ace and Orton and Piper were just kind of left. Or not, uh, um, Ace, Orndorff, and Piper were just kind of left. And they were just sitting on a fucking curb trying to get a cab outside <laughs> Madison Square Garden. And Piper said a horse, like a police horse, came walk, like trotting by, stopped right by him, and just took a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he said the minute they were sitting on that curb and that police horse came walking by, stopped, and took a shit on the ground, that's when Orton just lost it. Like he was just like, shit, shit. Shit, this is bullshit. Like we did all this fucking work. I was sitting on a curb. <laughs> like, like he's like breaking, was, this was breaking cool. moment. Yeah, that way he was cool, calm, and collected till a, a fucking police horse shit right the next shit to literally him. hit and the fan. And, and you know he said, This is horse shit. <laughs> Roddy looked at him one, yes, it is. What do you fucking, want to do about it? Fucking Orndorf, Piper, and Bob. Were fucking fantastic together. Fucking, I agree great. with that. They were DX before DX, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And Bob Orton, call. and Bob Orton is one of the smoothest fucking wrestlers that ever existed. Like that dude, I've never seen him do anything bad. I've like, like he did one of my favorite spots ever. And he wrestled Hogan on the first Saturday night's main event. And I think, and, and that's the match. Hogan suplexes him and he rolls like, like he hits it. He like, he does the back and then he does like a little somersault deal. Looks at Hogan and goes, Nope. Like that. <laughs> it's fucking great. And I just think his, his, his voice his look, everything like Bob Wharton. I, I don't see any whole, in the game of Bob Orton Jr. Nope. And like Nate said, fucking gave us Randy, and Randy's the same fucking way. And perfect, and, perfect, perfect pro wrestler. Yeah, and and Bob was a fucking perfect. Like he he wasn't obviously built like Randy or anything like that, but he didn't need to be at that time. But mm-hmm. but Bob Orton right. was going to give you the best or second best match on a fucking card, any card that he was on. Number 129, Carlos Colon, 5'10", 246, 26 years pro, a multiple-time holder of the WWC Universal title, undoubtedly the most popular wrestler in the history of Puerto Rico. Feud with Abdullah the Butcher is legendary. And is the father of Carlito and Primo Colon. And Gorilla Monsoon ribbed him in 95 and said, here comes this youngster. 93. But 93. Yes. This youngster. When he entered the Royal <laughs> Rumble and he's like fucking 80. Wasn't he already 50? <laughs> <laughs> you can't argue with the man's success um, in his home country of Puerto Rico. Uh, he was the, uh, you know, we said about Mil Mascaris, but Carlos was the Hulk Hogan of Puerto Rican wrestling. And... um I mean, there are some questionable things, you know, turned a blind eye to the Bruiser Brody thing and, and all That's that all kind of stuff. But, that. but um, 
overall, again, can't argue with his success. I mean, and and him and Abby really did, you know, that was probably the biggest feud in the history of Puerto Rican wrestling. And 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 I haven't seen a ton of it, but you know, it is what it is, and he was what he was. So I don't have a lot more to say. Anything from you guys? Not really. Ooh, not really, yeah. I vote Savio Vega was the Hulk Hogan of Puerto Rico. Savio Vega is my Hulk cool. Hogan of Puerto Rico because I'm a big Savio Mark. Buddy. That's right. Love me some Savio Vega. I think Carlos was a a good like every match. Not I shouldn't like the matches I've seen. He he was a good worker, mm-hmm. and um, that I, I want to say garbage. <laughs> Whatever, but he did that shit. But he could all he was one of those guys that did the blood and gut stuff, but could actually work if he needed to. Yeah. Right. It wasn't just all blood and guts. You know what I mean? He actually had uh, a decent move set and knew how to get the crowd up and, and cheering. So well it shows that he did that with that hamburger meat forehead he's got. <laughs> right. <laughs> Number 128 is a guy actually we're talking quite a bit about on the Reliving the Extreme podcast right now because he was fantastic, but addiction-wise, the stuff he just couldn't get out of his own way. Big Josh, 5'10", 235, 13 years pro, Pacific Northwest native, is the son of former wrestler, wrestling great Tony, tough, tough Tony Bourne, a native of the PNW, teams often with several WCW stars, Matt Bourne. What a performer. Oh, what yeah. a performer. Loved, loved him as Doink. Yes, as Doink, Definitely. born again. Uh, the big Josh character, obviously, is uh, thank you, Jim Hurd. But, <laughs> but he um, made it work. He did. Right, he, he, made did. It, he made it work. You know, It's another example of one of the guys you can give them a shit gimmick, but they're just going to go out there and mm-hmm. make it work for them. Oh, yeah, and he was, again, he was a fantastic performer. I mean... His 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 demons are what got in his way. Um, we were actually talking as we were recording, uh, reliving the extreme last night. That, and I, I know we're talking about ninety one and him being Big Josh right now. But in the early days of ECW, you watch him and you think, man, if what could have been if he could have just kept his head on his shoulders, he would have been such a big part of that promotion. Right. Um, but at this time, ninety one is Big Josh. Um. I like the guy, but it's also I, I love me some Kevin Nash, you know. Mm-hmm. And he did like one of those um, kayfabe commentary things where they sit a bunch of different people down and ask them about a wrestler or whatever, mm-hmm. yep. and, and let them let them shoot. And he talked about Kevin Nash and said Kevin Nash never drew a dime, this that and the other thing. And then they showed <laughs> Kevin Nash and. Um, Kevin Nash, they show it, and he's like, Kevin Nash, you never drew a dime, did nothing for the business. You killed the business. You killed the business, this, that, and everything. And then Kevin Nash is like, we used to call him Krusty the Clown because he never washed his gear. And then he's like, like, hey, hey, Matt, maybe you should have tried a little harder. You could have made a little bit more money and fixed your teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Nash Nash tore into him. And another thing was this was – this was just after Nash fought Ricky Morton. Remember, Ricky did a shoot interview, and then him and Nash had a match. And he said, I think uh, Matt is looking for a Ricky Morton payday right now. Yeah. Because, you know, he wasn't wrestling anymore. He's trying to call out Nash. It, it has come out recently based on uh, comments by both of them that Nash and Ricky were working that thing, though. 
Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that? Like they were, there was actually no real heat. They were just working it, you know, just. Yeah. How could they have heat with Ricky Morton? Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Number 127, Randy Rose. Uh, 6'1", 240, 17 years pro in 91. A member of the original Midnight Express with Dennis Condry. A rule breaking, the rule-breaking duo won the AWA title in 1987. Now a fan favorite in Georgia All-Star area. I know Mark Bruce looking him up. Mark, you like looking at pictures of the guys, right? Not saying it like, oh, he likes looking at pictures of the guys. <laughs> hey, like, you the guys up. Did you look him up? Yeah. Is he not Tiger King? A fatter version, yes. I agree. He's Tiger King. <laughs> Mark is holding it in as much as possible. You can see uh, Dennis, Con- Dennis, Dennis, Condry, Dennis Condry, Aaron. Uh, Dennis Condry doesn't show up for Clash. Jack Victory is going to replace him. Randy Rose is like, I'm never going to financially recover from this. <laughs> So you said Randy Rose, right? So yes. this isn't Randy the Ram, the guy that Mickey Ward played? No. 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 Oh, fuck. <laughs> Been way cooler if he was. Well, yeah, Randy or... Rose comes out to cut his promo, and he's like, I'm gay. I don't have any. My hip don't work. <laughs> I can't remember that fucking Tiger King promo when he was running for governor or whatever. It's one of the greatest things ever. But fucking Randy Rose... And the Tiger King are fucking doppelgangers, man. Yes, they are. <laughs> but Randy Rose, yeah, he was a good worker. I just think that he was like, I don't want to say the worst of the group, but he was like. It, he found the fountain. You know what's funny, you know what's funny about the, You know what's funny about the entirety of the Midnight Express? What's All that? of them. I, I guess I won't say the entirety because not Stan Lane, but everybody else. All fantastic workers, but really needed Jim Cornette or Paul E to cut that promo because yeah, they weren't right, good yeah. promos, you know? They were all, they were all Solid worker needed a mouthpiece. I mean, Stan Lane could cut a promo. Yeah. And they were but, all, they were all like, oh, where are these? Sexy guys or whatever. And they're all kind of, yeah, they're all kind of like, dumpy. Yeah. <laughs> at, at the same time, too, though, you would have playboy guy that could cut a promo, and then another guy that fucking couldn't, because then it was just make it awkward. He, you know, he tries to shoot him something, and the motherfucker just stands there like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> number one twenty six is Ron Garvin, six two two thirty one, twenty six years pro. Beat Ric Flair to win the WCW World Title in 1987, known as the Hands of Stone for his punching power, active on the independent scene and in Puerto Rico. Nate's favorite wrestler of all time. Yeah, I was going to say, I know, I know, Nate's going to love this one. It is no, this is actually, and this is Nate's. What's the word? Okay, Ron Garvin for I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Ron Garvin for me is the guy that I did not like. In the moment. Because what I saw of him when I was a kid and then a teenager was I didn't like him. I didn't like him in Crockett with his stupid fucking trucker hat 
and his, <laughs> his, you know, his shitty ass WCW title run or NWA title run. And then in the WWF with his goddamn Garvin stomp and his boring ass matches with Greg Valentine. However, retroactively, I go back and I watch him with the Poffos or I watch, you know, I have kind of, I've kind of changed my mind on Ron Garvin in that I think that in my youth I hated his stinking guts, yeah. but like now I can appreciate I can appreciate what he was, you know, in his time and in certain Every time areas. he was being worked. But but at the same time, I will never put over fucking trucker hat. Fucking, I drive a truck <laughs> and I'm gonna be the champion, and I drive a truck. Shut the fuck up. I'm, anyway. a, I'm a from the North Carolina. Yeah, I'm from North Carolina, and I drive a truck. Don't you believe me? But anyway, this is this is one thing that fucking confuses me. Ring names. They got Ron Garvin, Ronnie Garvin, but then they have Miss Atlanta Lively. Yes, he what dressed up. Yeah, he dressed, he dressed, he dressed up like a woman. He dressed up like a woman. In the whole cornet angle with the Midnight Express, and he was Miss yeah. Atlanta Lively. Yeah, and then he also dressed up as a woman when Rick Flair. The Rick Flair, right? When he thought Rick, when Rick Flair thought that he won a night with a baby, with doll. precious baby doll, yeah, or, uh, precious. Sorry, not baby doll, not baby doll, precious. He won a night with I precious. I the head. Archie's and, definitely going to love that one. I, I, Hello, Aaron. Night first. I mean, oh, yeah, okay. Aaron first. But we got number one twenty-five. Archie's favorite person is Paul Roma. <laughs> five eleven, two thirty-five, five years pro, handsome youngster, competed or captured. I'm sorry, the nineteen ninety PWI Most Improved Wrestler Award. Teams with Hercules as power and glory. Combines aerial maneuvers with impressive power and stamina. And I will say this, Paul Roma, the best thing he ever did was teaming with Hercules. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it on the line because Mark said this is my favorite <laughs> guy on the list. As power and glory, Paul Roma was great. Even in the young stallions with Jimmy Powers, Paul Roma was actually a damn good athlete. <clears throat> And I loved him with Paul Orndorff. It's pretty wonderful. I thought they were a great tag team. And having the assassin with them was actually pretty damn good, too. He was not, I will repeat this again, he is not a horseman. He was not horseman material. He didn't look like a horseman. He didn't look good in a suit. And he could not do anything good with Arn Anderson. How do you not make a good tag team partner from Arn Anderson? Tully Blanchard. Ole Anderson, Bunkhouse Buck, uh, Dustin Rhodes. The list goes on and on of people Arn Anderson is teamed with. And Paul Roma couldn't be a good tag team partner Arn Anderson. So for that, yes, I can't stand Paul Roma. Aaron, Mark, your thoughts on Mr. Roma? I'm not uh, like... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think Paul Roma was a, a hell of a wrestler, but... Um, right. Just had a negative attitude, and that was the biggest thing against him. I I enjoyed his in ring stuff. Uh, I think he had a great physique. Like uh, Archie said, I enjoyed him with Orndorff is uh, pretty wonderful, and I definitely enjoyed the uh, power and glory. Didn't mind him 
so much as a horseman. I mean, because at, at the time they were just toying with shit and fucking seeing who who was going to stick as the next horseman. And I'll say this to to wrap it up, and you guys can agree disagree. I think the power and glory should have had a run with the belts. I Albeit, agree. Maybe a small run, but they should have had a run with the belts. If anything, when the Rockers when the Rockers won that Phantom title at the house show and the ropes broke and whatever, and they never talked about it. If anything, they should have unseated the Rockers and then maybe had uh, the the Hart Foundation or the Rockers win the belts from them a couple of mm-hmm. weeks, month later. You know what I mean? Would have made more sense. I agree. I mean, you got two guys that still look like great statues. Why not put that gold around their waist to compliment them? Right. Number 124 is one of my favorites of all time. Don Morocco. 6'4", 274, 21 years pro. The Rock remains one of the sport's true tough guys, now a fan favorite after years of rule-breaking, a two-time WWF Intercontinental Champion. Folks, if you have not done yourself the favor (laughs) of watching Don Morocco in the early 80s in Florida and the WWF, you're missing out on not only great matches, great rivalries, but some of the best promos you've oh, ever yeah. seen in your life. Don Morocco was a... F- Don Mar- I- I'll die on that hill. Don Morocco is one of my top 25 of all time. Fucking fantastic. I can agree with it's you. It's all coming down. Here and he did... Down. He did the thing in his promos. Oh, shit. You okay over there? <laughs> huh? Fuck, he's frozen again. I'll Hold tell on. you. But he was like, I mean, he was magic. He was absolute magic. Um, I mean, it's, it's like that moment where Foley was inspired by him and Snooker, their match, and and that spot and stuff. I mean, like, there, but there was more than Foley in that arena that night. And many wrestlers have gone on to, you know, say they've been there, but like, they were doing next level shit. But definitely, like, sorry guys, like what Nate was saying about uh, Morocco's promos. He did the thing that um, I really like the heels back then would do and not a, lot of, not, not a lot of guys did it like Nate was like it's all going down like Morocco spoke softly so you had to fucking listen Jericho Jericho does the same thing yeah when he's when he's on he does mm-hmm. the same thing and it's 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 like um I, Jake, Jake did it you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I, I, I said that I said that because my and and one of my favorite one of my favorite wrestlers of all time is Chris Jericho. He's in my top ten. But my favorite Chris Jericho is the two thousand eight two thousand nine Chris Jericho in a suit. And oh yeah, he you can tell he watched some Don Morocco because, like Aaron said, that crowd is up here, man. They're up here. 
And Jericho is not going to go. He's not going to. He's not going to rise up with them. He's going to keep his voice down here. Right. So they have to come back down here with him and listen to what he has to say. And Morocco was good at that, you know. And and he was he was just so fucking good. And he should he should have had a run with the title. He should have had a run with the title. He probably should have beat Backlund at some point. Um, he would have been a great guy. And I'm not I'm not dissing the Sheik. But he would have been a great guy to be between Backlund and Hogan, you know. Yeah, and 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 he was around at the time, and I don't know. I just Don Morocco's fucking fantastic. Yeah. Number one twenty three, another good one. Butch Reed, oh, yeah, 6'2", 265, 13 years pro veteran star made a has made a great comeback. Reed and Ron Simmons won the WCW tag titles as Doom, but split violently. Doom. Come on. Massive tag team. One of the best tag teams ever. One of the greatest <laughs> theme songs ever. Oh, yeah. One of the most badass theme songs am, ever. Am I wrong in saying I like them more with woman than I did with Teddy Long, though? No, you're not. Because it was something about it, and I think I, I recently watched a shoot interview with Ron Simmons where he said they put her with him because they were in the South, and to see these big African-American guys with this little baby white girl, mm-hmm. it elicited more of a riot from the crowd. Mm-hmm. So it worked. Where with Teddy Long, they were just three black guys hanging out, and Teddy was, you know, they didn't have the mask anymore. Teddy was, you know, trying to get himself over as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, there's no bad version of Doom. Right. But the woman version of Doom is better for a couple of reasons. First, the heat in the South. Yes. Right. Secondly, fucking Nancy was the best. Oh, yeah. The best. Um, I know that... Uh, Okay, so here's my thing, and, and I've, I've realized this over the years as I've as I've watched things. My favorite, my favorite female in wrestling history is Sherry. Okay, mine too. Sherry's my favorite, but I have to say, I think the 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 most amazing valet in wrestling history, female valet in wrestling history, is woman. When you Nancy, look at her body of work, yeah. Nancy was so good. So yeah. good at everything she did. Flawless. And Chad Austin she, says on the show, on the, Relieving the Extreme, she was like that all the time. Like she would come, he said she would come down to the to breakfast at the hotel and she would look like woman. You know, like it was, she was right, on. She didn't break character. No, she was on all the time. What a pro. But but with Butch Reed, um, I loved him actually in the late 80s in WWF with the blonde hair. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. He was a pretty decent uh, heel. And then him and Simmons together were great. And I think um, WCW made their decision after Doom was split up. I think Butch hung out for like maybe a year or so. And they feuded a little. He went away. And then they brought him back. I think it was during Simmons' title run. Mm-hmm. They had him attack Ron, and, yeah. and they feuded again for a little yeah, bit. And something, something yeah, and I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at, like, through the pro wrestling torches that I have or whatever. Something happened with that because they did. They brought him back briefly, and then right. it, they replaced him with Tony Atlas. Right. 
So I don't know exactly what happened there. But Might have got injured or maybe had a dispute with Jim Hurd or something. He was also really good in Mid-South. He had a great tag team with Jim An- Jim Jim Anvil. Jim Anvil. Jim Neidhart in, in Mid-South, too. I've heard that before. Yeah, I've heard they were actually a really good tag team together. Number 122, Buddy Roberts. 5'10", 247, 26 years pro. Long famous as the third free bird with Terry Gordy and Michael Hayes. Crops up in Texas, but is now semi-retired. Knows every trick in the book. Buddy Roberts, wow. the original third free bird. I I liked Buddy when they were in WCCW, um, and and you know with the free birds. But obviously, Michael was the vocal of the three, and Terry was the heavy. Buddy was just kind of there. You know what I mean? And yeah, he mm-hmm. did his thing in the ring, but as far as getting over with the crowd, I I never. Don't get me wrong. I, Jimmy Garvin was kind of weird with, with Michael at first. And, they, you know, he really didn't match the Freebird that we remember, the original Freebirds. Right. But Buddy Roberts was, like I said, he was just there. You know, they could have been a tag team. They didn't have to be a six-man team. And then he didn't really shine until they started the feud with Devon Ayers because all three of them were involved. I don't know. I'm, 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 a, I'm a Buddy Roberts fan, but I'm not a huge fan. I don't know that much more about him after the Freebirds or even before. He was um, basically the Tully Blanchard of the Freebirds. Like, he was the guy that was going to be – he's the guy that was going to get beat. He was going to be the guy that got smacked around. You know what I mean? Like, the little, right. the little shit of the group mm-hmm. was essentially his job. Because you're not, you're, you're not going to beat – you're not going to beat Terry. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to beat him into powder. And you can't completely beat Michael because he's still got to be able to talk, talk shit, talk shit. But Buddy's the guy that you can shave his head. You know what I mean? And, and he's going to wear the wig and, and be the. I was, hey, you know, it's funny that you said that. You know, it's funny that you said that. Because that, I was like, I was going to say that is where for, again, younger fans that don't know when Kurt Angle got his head shaved. By, by Edge, and wore the little stupid, like the little headgear with mm-hmm. the with the awful wig. He totally stole that from Buddy Roberts. Yeah, right, and, Buddy, and, Ro- Buddy Roberts did that in world class. And it's not even that he stole it; it was fucking Mike Hayes was booking. True, <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't even think and about that. Like, yeah, right. I did this shit in '86. <laughs> right. <laughs> Here, Kurt, put this on. He looked like uh, Gorgeous George had sex with a redneck woman, and this was the outcome. <laughs> he's, he's not so gorgeous, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Number 121 is Thomas Rich, six foot, 246, 14 years pro. Shocked fans by joining the York Foundation, a former WCW world champion, actually NWA world champion. Bitter feud with Buzz Sawyer in the mid-80s. Terrific Luthez Press is his finisher. Let's be honest about something, Nate. was more of a shock when he joined the full-blooded Italians than when he joined the York. <laughs> and it was so funny. And so it was. entertaining. What was but it? No, From Knoxville, Tennessee by way of Sicily? Yes. Is that how they used to announce? <laughs> <laughs> and those guys... <clears throat> 
That's that Stan Alive remix is one of my favorite wrestling right? albums ever. Right. I know we're jumping ahead, folks. They're supposed to be in 1991, no, but... but yes, absolutely. And Tommy Rich, people can say what they want, whatever you know. He was again, like I said, I don't, I don't even remember. We do so many fucking shows. I don't even know what show I said it on at this point. But in his time in Georgia, when he won that NWA title, he was over. I oh, mean, yeah. he was. Oh God, he was he the was Elvis yeah, Those people yeah. loved that fucking guy, they and he was so, he super charismatic. Yeah, he was super charismatic, and I don't know. He just—he's one of those guys that kind of. Um, what am I trying to say here without being insulting? He was just one of those guys that kind of drank himself into oblivion. You know, he 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 That's he kind of ruined. He ruined his own potential. Yeah. When I met him, he smelled like cheap vodka. And but I, but I, bet he, I bet he was still funny, though. <laughs> yes, he was, he was fucking hilarious. Like, you're Mark, not gonna, sure you're not gonna always cheap. cheap vodka. I got an autograph from him. I had him sign his WCW card. I was like, hey, can you sign this card? And he's like, sure thing, brother. And then he's like, how much is that honky-tonk man charging? I said, I think 50. He's like, ah, oh, fuck him. You come back over here, I'll give you two more autographs for 10. Fuck that guy. The goddamn honky-tonk <laughs> man. Oh, oh, I'm not discounting that he's a fucking trip. And, and you know, as far as, like, a person, like, I don't I don't see him as a bad person. I, that was just my fondest memory. Like, whenever I first met him in person, he smelled like cheap vodka. Oh, no, I ain't, I ain't saying that against that either. I smell like people meet me. I smell like cheap beer. I don't fucking care. <laughs> Number one twenty. <laughs> number one twenty is B. Brian Blair, five ten two thirty five, nine years pro. Formerly teamed with Jim Brunzel to form the Killer Bees tag team in the WWF. Defeated Rick Rude to capture the Southern Heavyweight Title in nineteen eighty five. Now in the UWF, and also right. I think currently the president of the Cauliflower Alley. Alley uh, yeah, the Cauliflower Alley. The Cauliflower <laughs> Alley Club. You mentioned he was currently in the UWF at this time. Brunzel follows him, and they become mass confusion, don't they? Yeah. I believe so. Yes. He, yeah, so watched, it's not like they had a bad breakup. We watched that pay-per-view where they fought the Power yeah. Twins. Remember? Yep. Yep. And I couldn't figure out yeah, why the Power was... Twins had fucking fly swatters. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's because they're the killer bees. <laughs> I, I just got one question. What the fuck is the B for before Brian Blair? Because his name is Brian Leslie Blair. I think what, they called him B. B. Brian. I think it was B. Brian Blair because he was one of the killer bees. Because, you know, it, it was jumping Jim Bronzel and B. Brian Blair. So, I'm, that's just surmising, though. I don't know if that's anything. So you, you, couldn't, know, you couldn't even give him, you know, something that fucking... I think it stood for boring. <laughs> boring Brian Blair. <laughs> well, all right. His tag team partner was named Jumping. What was his name going to be? Rolling? Jumping Jim Brown and Rolling Brian Bouncing. Blair. Bouncing. Bouncing. Exactly. Brian Blair. It starts with a fucking B. <laughs> <laughs> boring. Because Brian Blair was boring. He was. He was. Number 129. Great worker. The Skinner. They say The Skinner here. WWF just called him Skinner. 
Skinner. Six foot, 235, 18 years pro, formerly known as Steve Kern. Formed a classic tag team with Stan Lane as the Fabulous Ones. Former PWF champion adopted an odd new image upon WWF arrival. Steve Kern, great worker. Um, Definitely. And, and I, I'm not even dissing them because I do like the Fabulous Ones as a tag team. But let's be honest. In the 80s, they were the ambiguously gay duo of professional yeah. wrestling. <laughs> that, was, that, that was the one that went a little too... <laughs> the videos yeah. and the pictures yeah. and the... Yeah. A little too much. Was it one of the videos, like them rubbing, rubbing oil on each other's backs or something like they they got real uncomfortable at one point. <laughs> something like that, yeah. yeah. I think they and got too uncomfortable. I don't think it was uncomfortable. I think they got too comfortable. Well, yeah, they got too comfortable. <laughs> we got uncomfortable. Didn't like, Kern take over? Like, was going to slip in. Yes, Steve Kearns was a doink at one point. Yeah, he was second doink at WrestleMania. Right. Then he was, again, he was a great worker. Um, go back to, um, again, the Fabulous Ones were a good tag team. Um and I have not seen a lot of him in Florida. When I uh, when I talked to uh, Barry Rose, who is a Florida wrestling historian, about him, he he raves about him in Florida, and he was he was a big star there. And also, I mean, I'm just going to use this as an example, just one match for those of you that want to see how good this guy was. Go on Peacock and look up the Tuesday in Texas pay per view, and watch Skinner versus Bret Hart. Yeah, the him versus Brett was great. Him versus Owen was good too. When they had yeah. him and Owen would lock it up, so mm-hmm. you know what I mean. They were they. He was you, a rarely technically sound wrestler. You want to know what's fucking crazy? Like that whole Skinner gimmick, you know, with the fucking dip spit coming out on onto the beard and all that. Like that wasn't like to me. That was like a thing of nightmares because I see that all the fucking time and. and you see these fucking rednecks like that down here. <laughs> Mark's like, I know that guy. He's he sits down the street at Seven Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I uh, and ask you like for Steve. a barbara when you walk out. <laughs> <laughs> I like Steve. Uh, my you're like you're like you're eating him. a Marlboro right now, right? My uh, my fondest memory of him was he came back to WCW and was searching for a tag team partner. And after weeks of who's it going to be, who's it going to be, it ended up being beautiful Bobby Eaton. And I thought they worked perfectly as a tag team. I think their team name was Bad Attitude. Mm-hmm. And they were fantastic together. The, no pun intended. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I enjoyed Steve Kearns. No matter what entity he was coming in as, tag team wrestler, singles wrestler, he definitely got the job done when he needed to. Absolutely. I agree. And he became um, a trainer. And yep. like Nate was saying about earlier with like guys like Cena and Batista and, and, and Brock and those guys, he gave you like uh, Kofi Rollins. Kingston and and just right. the crop of people you see now that Seth Florida Rollins. Championship Wrestling. Yeah, Seth right. Rollins and Dean Ambrose and all those guys. He's the guy that that gave you them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Number 118, Dr. Tom Pritchard. 
Where did our host go? Doctor Tom. He's here. Oh, hold on. I got to refresh. <laughs> God damn. Doctor Tom. Um, yes. One of the, um, in my opinion, very underrated. Uh, the, the Heavenly Bodies were a great tag team. Uh, his work with with Chris Candido as the heavily as the uh, body donnas was pretty damn good too. Um, and again, a, a good trainer, someone who mm-hmm. was good at putting you know helping to get guys over. Uh, so slightly underrated, never really mentioned in the annals of tag team wrestling, or you know, given the credit he's due, and the brother of Bruce Pritchard. So that kind of. And just, I mean, I'll just throw a couple of names out there for younger fans. If you're, you know, you mentioned the training aspect, Archie, and we're talking about trainers tonight, apparently. Right. Thank you to the trainers, Edge and Christian. Right. You know, those two guys are both on, on their, on their, it's kind of crazy, but on their opposite programs now kind of killing it, you yeah. know, and, and Dr. Tom trained, you know, we didn't train, train, like didn't introduce them to the business or whatever, but as far as, Major league wrestling training got those guys ready for the big leagues, you know, and that was all him. Agreed. Hopefully, he's going to do the same for me in 10 days. What's that? God willing. I said, oh, hopefully, he's going to do the same for me in 10 days. Oh, are you going to, are you training with him? Yeah, I'm going to that seminar and doing some training. Oh, badass. We got to talk about that when you're done. Hell yeah. All right, guys. We're going to do, well, I think, let's see. Let me look at the time. We didn't make it through a lot this week. <laughs> but we're going to do two more here. And we're actually going to finish out. I'm looking ahead. We're going to finish out with a real main event star. So, are we? Are we in the colored pages yet? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Oh, we color pages. Yes. Hooray. All right. So, number 117, Dick Murdoch. Captain Redneck. 6'4", 280, 22 years pro in 91. Keeps on going. Currently a member of the Hardliners with Dick Slater. Won the WWF World Tag Titles with Adrian Adonis in 1984. A classic <laughs> brawler. You almost said Arian Adonis. Arian, Arian Adonis, Adonis. Completely <laughs> different gimmick. <laughs> yep. yep. Shaved head. <laughs> voted, for, voted, for, voted for Trump. Yeah. I'm the prettiest. I'm the prettiest Nazi of them all. <laughs> Zikaya! Zikaya! Arian Adonis. Still, still works as a tag team partner for Dick Marduk, though. <laughs> Literally though, if you shave his head and don't put the fucking white makeup on, he looks like Uncle Fester. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now uh, Dick Murdoch was was a dick. Well, he he, he was. I, I don't know if he was a dick. I know, like people say that he had a fucking card, like he was a card carrying clan member. So I'm not going to support that, obviously. But as a fucking right. talent and as a worker, fucking great. Like he says he was born in Waxahachie, Texas. What Waxahachie. the fuck do you think? <laughs> when, I was a, when I was a kid and they would introduce him, 
I always thought that was one of the coolest names for like a town right? to come from. Like from right. Waxahachie, Texas. Yeah. Ooh, that's badass. Yeah, and, and, and that dude, he he could do he could do like bow legged comedic work, but then he could also be like a fucking badass. Like when when he was with Cornette and he was like doing the like head hunting shit against Dusty Rhodes. You know what I mean? Like like Murdoch. You know what my you know what my favorite Dick Murdoch is? I don't want to cut you off, Aaron. It's okay. In in Mid South, in Mid South wrestling in like eighty five. And I don't know why. I don't know why it's cool to me. Just because it's I guess it's because it's not showy. It's more natural. He would come out in Mid South and he'd have on like full camo gear, camo hat. He had like a backpack, like a camo backpack, and he'd yeah. come out. And before the match would start, like he would just be taking his time, taking all this shit off him so he could be in his underwear to wrestle somebody, you know? It was just like, oh, this guy don't give a fuck. And, so and he was he was GI, bro, before Booker T. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was also Dusty Rhodes' tag team partner back in the yes, day. Yes, he was. Yes, you he know? was. But yeah, Dick Murdoch, um, good worker. Uh, again, like Aaron said, I mean, I don't know what's true and what's memory, or you know, what's true and what's not about his <clears throat> affiliations. But on TV, I watch him. I'm entertained. Right. And number 116, the last one we will do on this week's episode of the show. The legend of legends, I guess we'll say, in 91, it is Andre the Giant. 7-5, 20 years pro, one of the greatest attractions in wrestling history, but there's not much left, virtually crippled, now spends most of his time as an advisor. And it really is, when you watch it now, you watch it back now, it's kind of sad to watch Andre in the state that yeah, he was in definitely. at this point. And um, you know, we talked about Haku earlier and it was great that they teamed him up with Haku to give him that last run with a title. So Haku, right. Haku could do the work. Andre could tag in, do a couple chops and tag back out. But, um, he's one of those guys that, you know, you talk about the downfall of wrestlers a lot of times. Oh, they have a drug addiction or they have, you know, a sex addiction. Like they're a sexual harasser or whatever. Andre's downfall literally wasn't his fault. You know, his body. He was born with it. Yes. And it's just, it's so sad to watch the end, you know? Yeah. I remember seeing him come to Slamboree for WCW. I think it was last appearance ever. On Clash TV. of the Champions. Was it Clash of the Champions? Okay. Uh, yeah, Cla- yeah the, into- the Clash 20. or uh, It wasn't Clash 20, but it was 20 years on TBS or whatever. Right. It's the and one. he had both of them. Go ahead. It's it's the thing that um, Vince McMahon he's he's never said it, but it's the thing that um, people talk about that was like the um, beef that Vince had with him, and I think it's Bruce Pritchard talked about how Vince and and Andre had like a like Vince didn't like the fact that Andre did that. Even though Andre wasn't under contract, contract right, 
and got mad at him and they had a fucking fight about it and they didn't talk after that and then Andre died. Right. You know what I mean? So like they didn't talk for like two years because of that and Bruce Pritchard's gone on record as saying that's like what he thinks Vince's biggest regret was that he didn't fucking bury that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. The guy did right. a fucking payday. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't signed. He wasn't whatever. He just did a fucking payday. He didn't work. He didn't do anything. He just was like, "Oh, Gordon told me hello." You know, right. Vince, he showed up. He didn't even. He didn't even really put over WCW. You know, he just he like you said, he was like Gordon Soley. Right. Yeah. He showed up. He had those two canes in his hands, and he's trying to hold himself up. You know, like Andre the Giant. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you very much, Gordon Soley. And he walked away. And then the next time they showed him on the on the, the show. He was just basically in the background so they could have him there. They were just using him as an attraction. So, but, but that, that was hard. I feel like that was the case throughout his whole career, though, because like him being so fucking big, like that he was an oddity. Like back, it, it, they really well, like took it, took it and used that to their advantage because, like you know, back in the wrestling historian, they just started out as a sideshow and all that, anyways. Back in the corny well, days, yeah, and but he, he but knew how to use it. Vince knew how to use it, that he wasn't just an oddity. You know, uh, I'll liken it to, uh, I recently saw, I don't know if you guys have seen the Elvis movie yet. And, Not yet. Uh, okay, it's it's actually a really good movie. In it, Tom Hanks' character, Colonel Parker, says, uh, when you go with, when you do a sideshow act, you want to elicit feelings from people that they're not supposed to have. And when I saw Elvis Presley, that's what I saw him eliciting feelings from all these men and women that they weren't supposed to have. The women wanted to sleep with him, and the men wanted to be him. In the same regard, if you look at Andre the Giant, they, you were eliciting feelings from people because some people wanted to see him be this big monster who killed people, but then other people were just there in awe of his size. Mm-hmm. So well, yeah, I mean, it may have been a sideshow, but it came out in a good way. He wasn't being whipped or, or used as a prop he was actually being used for what he was there for right oh yeah but go ahead go ahead mark i watched that hbo max uh documentary Mm -hmm. on him and stuff and they you know they used to bill him as a monster small and they said that he he, that really like hurt his feelings because he didn't want to be looked at like that he wanted to be you know looked at as like a gentle giant he wanted to be yeah yeah that's why he did princess bride he wanted to come off as a gentle giant (laughs) Right. And and I'll say this to this day, <clears throat> you guys. There there are there are two big things in wrestling, and and we're talking about you know Andre here. You have your main eventers, you have your big stars, you have your headliners. All right. So the two biggest headliners in in our era, you know, in our era of wrestling, are 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 obviously Hulk Hogan and Steve Austin. Right. And then you get to the next era, and it's probably John Cena. But then there are attractions, like you said, Archie, the word attraction. Andre and Undertaker, biggest attractions ever. Right. Andre Andre the Giant would never, and I'm I'm saying this respectfully, with all due respect, Andre the Giant would never be like in my top twenty favorite wrestlers of all time. No, 
But Andre the Giant is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Like, yes. Like, right. That that's a no. dude that when you look at him, you're like, he's fucking legit. Right. Like, like he he could literally fucking sit on anybody that he wanted to. Like right. like like if wrestling. Okay. How, this is how I'm gonna say it. If wrestling was real. Nobody would have <laughs> beat Andre the Giant. Yes, like Brock right. Lesnar. Like Brock Lesnar. Yeah. If wrestling, if wrestling was, real, was real right now, nobody would beat Brock Lesnar. If mm-hmm. wrestling was real, Andre the Giant would have just sat on somebody and just that would have been it. And that's why they right. never put a fucking belt on him. You know what I mean? He didn't need mm-hmm. like, it. Well, well, no, it, it's not that he didn't need it. It was like if you put the belt on him, how do you get it off of him? How are you going to believe that anybody's going to fucking beat him? Right. And, and, <laughs> and he, at the time, Hogan was the one that, that he, because he wanted, he knew Hogan was the, was obviously the big thing. So when he finally came down to, I'm going to lose on television at a pay-per-view, I'm going to finally let the, you know, the myth of Andre the Giant die. Well, let it be the Hulk Hogan, you know, the guy that I've been with for so long and can actually make a star out of. And he did. And that- and that's why that's why I always like snicker or chuckle when I see people I hate the internet. When I see <laughs> internet wrestling smarks, oh Brock Lesnar's back again. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, so what these idiots don't don't realize is wrestling is about attraction. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. yes for for fans like us it is about wrestling. But for the mainstream people that WWE is actually trying to appeal to, to make money, it's about attraction. So your evolution, your evolution is literally, you went from Andre to The Undertaker to Brock Brock. Lesnar. Right. There's a reason Brock Lesnar ended the streak. Because Vince McMahon, in the same mind as his father, looked at the whole roster and said, who is the next attraction? Right. It's Brock Lesnar. It's like Aaron yeah. said, with Andre. If I'm looking <clears> at this in a legit style, nobody's beating this guy. You know? And that, that's, that's it. If the lineage is Andre, Taker, Brock. Well, I mean, <laughs> look at the current situation that they got going on with him and him and Brock going to face off again at some point. All right? They've built Roman into this fucking... Mm-hmm. For Megastar. lack of better words, this uh, right. yeah, megastar and god mode Roman or whatever the hell they're saying now. <clears throat> but the only believable threat to that is would be Brock for the principal fact. He is he has transitioned and was a successful shoot fighter. Yeah. Right. And he right. is. I would have said if 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 we were having this discussion in 2012, I would have said the modern day Andre the Giant is the Undertaker. Right. We're having this conversation in 2022. The modern day Andre the Giant is Brock fucking Lesnar. That that's Absolutely. what I'm saying. The lineage goes Andre Taker Brock. I agree. And I it's agree. like this this might be out of left field or whatever, but um, 
guy that worked for me was like, "Hey, did you see the A uh, A and E's bringing back the? They're doing season two of the biographies because they did like A and E biographies of all the wrestlers. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. they're, they're talking about the Undertaker, and he was like, "What are they really going to talk about Undertaker on there that we didn't hear from Last Ride? That's what he said. <laughs> I said, "Well, I told him I said I understand that, but but WWF or WWE." isn't working with A&E to like tell you the story of fucking D Malenko. That would be, I'm not not knocking D Malenko. You know what I mean? But they're using that, the, the story of the undertaker to get people that are lapse fans or just non Hardcore wrestling fans be like, oh, gonna watch it for the nostalgia and, and they did tell mm-hmm. new stories. I don't know if you watched it yet, yet, Aaron, but he did tell a couple of new stories. Like he elaborated on a couple of the Hall of Fame stories he told about his mom wanting to run in the ring when he was fighting Sid and things like that. So it wasn't just all about what we already know. But yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, in that's, that, that's what I'm saying. Like know, the the casual fan. Like all of us would be like, oh, I'd love to watch an A A A and E documentary about D Malenko. But the average like casual fan is gonna be like, Who the fuck is D But if they see <laughs> if they see A and E documentary of The Undertaker, they're like, Oh, I'll watch that. I know yeah. that guy, right. Yeah. And and Oh, he's the Iceman, Richard Kuklinski. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Aaron, do you think that people, the, the same fans that you're talking about that are like, ooh, The Undertaker, when they do the Bella Twins episode, do you think they're going to be like, ooh, The Bella Twins? Or do you think they're like, yeah, I watched that week? But let me explain something there. I think the reason why they did that is so the the fans of the more modern wrestling would have something uh-huh. to relate to. So we could. I think that's why they did that. We couldn't have Trish Stratus, Mickey James, Lita. Let's see, Ashley Massaro, who died, uh, Sable, Tori. Okay, Wilson, but like, needed the fucking, the fucking twins. The fucking Gen Zers aren't into all that. They don't fucking even Gen know Zers about that. aren't into wrestling, Mark. Don't even start. <laughs> <laughs> They're offended by wrestling, Mark. <laughs> but I'm now, just saying. I have one last question, and then we could end or do whatever you guys want. Did anybody else as a kid almost cry when Earthquake beat up Andre the Giant and, and broke his leg? Because as a kid, when I watched it on Superstars, I was devastated. My reaction was, that is a badass. Like, he, just <laughs> fucking, he just broke Andre's leg. He's fucking badass. No, I was, I was upset. I was upset. But... So- like like Mark said, Archie, you were upset. So it did the trick, right? Yep. Yeah, but it didn't make me hate Earthquake more. It made me feel bad for Andre. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like I said when we started this talking about the year in question that we're discussing, it is sad. You know, it's sad to watch him in that condition and yes. and all that. But all right, we're gonna wrap it up. We did our ninety minutes. So we're at one sixteen. Next week we'll we'll start off with one fifteen. And I'm going to do what I did uh, last. I don't know if I did it last time, this time, whatever. The time before. Everybody gets to plug their own shit at the end of the show. 
I'm sitting here like yeah, the CEO with my brandy right and my cigar. So I'll start with Archie. First of all, he doesn't have brandy and cigar, ladies. Brandy and cigars, ladies. He has a gentlemen. cigarette right. and a Bud Light. Right. Because exactly. I'm a working man, damn it. Right. Right. Don't be don't be Howard Hughes. <laughs> be Nate Maxim. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> he's um, got he's got Bud Light and American Eagles. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the new episode of uh, If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking just dropped. I, I had to film it in a weird spot this week because life has been really hectic. Uh, I'm talking about uh, WWE Money in the Bank and uh, NXT Great American Bash. Next week, we'll be back to regular programming such as Dynamite and NXT and hopefully Rampage if I could film after Friday. Um, Continue to support everything on the WrestleNet Radio and We Can't Wrestle Podcast Network. And uh, thank you guys for continuing to listen to all of our shows. Thank you, Archie. Mr. Brew? Um, I'm working on something pretty, pretty that I'm pretty excited about for episode six on Mark's Indie Spotlight. Um, of course, check out if you smell what the art is cooking, and you know, go ham dogs. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, like I said before, like just support every show that's on the network because generally, like. It don't matter what kind of mood you're in. It it can bring an uh, aspect to you're your day. Smile. Right. right. It just don't just don't come into it with the mindset of a stick in your ass and that you're not gonna like it and you'll enjoy yourself. I agree. Aaron? God damn it, why do you make me do this shit? Because um, it's fun for me. <laughs> Last week we this got is where all the good wonder, shit happens, anyways. Last week we got tater salad. I wonder what we're gonna get this. Per per taters. Per tater salad. Yeah. <laughs> I was fucking drunk. Sounds like a Zach Brown band song. <laughs> right, right. This week we've already had uh, Ivan Pussy, so let's see where I like a go. little bit of potato salad. Ivan <laughs> <laughs> Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, um, if you guys do not, if if the people listening have not listened to the year that was yet, I would appreciate you guys listening to that. It's a chronicle of Major League Wrestling at that time frame, which right now we're talking about 97. So please go ahead and listen to that. I started a little sub Facebook group. For I haven't really um, put a lot of content on there yet because I'm waiting until tomorrow um, when we record the show to just kind of put that out there. Um, but it's like Mark said, just listen to all the shows, enjoy it, and and just if if you don't like it, don't be an asshole. Just be like, I don't like it, and walk away. Comment for Sater Salad. Yeah, just just shut the fuck. If, if you don't like it, if you don't like it, just shut the fuck up and don't listen. Look, it's and, free. We're not charging you to listen to him. Yeah, and 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 um, either support it or don't. And if you do support it, what I would ask is everybody's shows that are on there, please on whatever um, podcast app you're listening to it, give it a five star rating and 
put some comments in there. I don't care what you say in your comments. You can just say I like potato salad or I <laughs> whatever or I, I baseball. Just just post something on there because comments and likes move it up the ladder and just yeah. support the groups and also um, listen to relive in the extreme. That that's yes. that's my that's my. I don't want to. I don't want to knock anybody else's shows. But that that's my favorite one. I love fucking reliving. That's your baby. That's my baby. Uh, I, I swear, it's like wrestling stand up comedy. <laughs> like I, I understand you're going over the shows and stuff, but I cannot listen to one fucking episode and not laugh. I I, I listened to last week's at my job at my my office. I shouldn't say my job because it's my office. And my client walked in, and I was laughing so hard. He looked at me. He was like, what are you listening to? I'm like, oh, it's a wrestling podcast. Oh, he's like, can I listen to it, too? I'm like, yeah, here, go check it out. Came back a couple days ago. I was like, damn, that was like the most morbid shit I've ever listened to, but I loved it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's the greatest comment. Right? That's the morbid. That's the most morbid shit I've ever heard, but I loved but it. But I loved it. <laughs> so... And guys, if you're supporting the shows and you, you listen to them and you like them and you got friends who like wrestling, pass it on. Let them know yeah. about it. It doesn't need to be a Even secret. It's not you know what I mean? Right. You never know. Invite them to the group. Just share it. Right. Like it share the, and share just... it on your page. Some people like Louisiana, some people like Lipton. There are there are podcasts out there. That are, and, and this will be my parting words, and thank you guys for joining me, of course. By the end of every We Can't Wrestle podcast, your your host is drunk as shit. But anyway, <laughs> that's been since the beginning. But anyway, <clears throat> if you listen to these shows, you have to get you have to get the word out there. That's that's what that's what this is all about. If you enjoy the shows, support us, get the word out, share it. Um, let your friends know, join our groups, invite your friends to our groups, whatever, because there are podcasts out there that are like uh, uh, elitist wrestling podcasts. We are the elitists. We are, we know everything about wrestling and blah, blah, blah. And then there are podcasts out there that are trying to sell you boner pills because <laughs> they're fucking um, engaged, to, engaged to somebody's daughter I'm Very not knocking violent. any of them. I'm not knocking any of them. I am. But as the leader of my company, I have to say that when I listen to one or the other, and I like them both, ours are the most entertaining. Right. You can have a laugh. You can learn yeah. something. You can you can reminisce about wrestling history, but we're not going to be super serious, and we're not going to be super kayfabing you. We're just honest about it. And I love right. this show. I love our shows. I love our network. And you guys, my co-hosts here with me and, and everybody else involved, do a fantastic job. And it, it, no, seriously, we have, I know. we have amazing podcasts. And that's what I'm saying. Those of you that like them, get the word out there. Because that's yes. the only way that this is going to really, really take off. You know? Yeah, stop being a bunch of lazy fucks. <laughs> and, if you, and, 
and I make a promise. <laughs> well, right out, out the fucking window goes my right. public relations. And and I, I make a promise right now. Once our podcast network network takes off, and we're we're doing great, Don't I will you gladly promise sell them you any fucking money. I, I will gladly <laughs> sell you guys all the Viagra and dick pills you want. <laughs> Roll Tide. <laughs> but just let me know. Let let us get into the bigger upper echelon before I do it. You know. That's all. <laughs> what age group do you think our fucking audience is? I don't know, but maybe, 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 <laughs> never, a twenty-year-old could need some help. You never know. Fuck. Nate was mad. Like, don't you promise him any fucking money? <laughs> all you lazy fucks have to do is, like, <laughs> like, like that's the way to get listeners, Aaron DeGrego. <laughs> All you gotta do is like if you're a say, if you're a sadomasochist and you're listening to our network, all you gotta do is just like right click something and then just fucking copy it and just put it out there. It's, it's like Chris Chris uh, Tucker off a of rush hour. Press the goddamn button. <laughs> Mark, that's a great idea for a show. We can't wrestle podcast. Push the goddamn button. That work for that. That works for a show. I mean, literally though. I mean, if they're listening, they they press the fucking play button. Right, it's on their phone. So, right, they don't even got to write right. anything. So, so all they have to do is click another button. Yeah, the follow. share button's right next to it. Right, follow. There's share right there next to that, and it even has that little wonderful button that says rate. Yeah. It's like those pieces of shits that won't fucking use their turn signal. It's like it's fucking right there. Look, if you don't want to comment per Seder Salad, all you have to do is hit that rate <laughs> button, put in your star rating, and that tells us what you think of the show. Yeah, it, it, took you, it took you all of six seconds. <laughs> it and takes it, you it takes you longer to microwave a burrito. Than it does to give a rating to it. And we Depends all they like know burrito. people like fucking burritos. Right. And if you don't want to leave the potato salad or comment or I like baseball or anything, hashtag one day Archie will sell us dick pills. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. I love how enthusiastic you are about selling them too. Well, hey, if we get, hey, if our if these podcasts blow up, I'll sell them whatever they want. I'll sell them a used car. I'll sell them He's like, a woman. You know, Archie, Archie's gonna be like dick pills, potater baseball. <laughs> Archie, you as a used car salesman reminds me of Danny DeVito from Matilda, just not as shitty as a person. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Come on down I mean, to the we can't wrestle car sale car dealership. I'm imagining. Um, Kyle Army, like a little car, a little Kyle Army, mm-hmm. looking at Archie and being like, "Why can't we sell good podcasts?" And he's just like, "I'm big, you're little. I'm smart, you're dumb." <laughs> good shit. Little little uh, Kyle, little Kyle isn't even here to defend himself. I'm gonna Photoshop my head on Danny DeVito and Kyle's head on Matilda. <laughs> and I will be posting that tomorrow. <laughs> you're dumb. I'm big. You're little. <laughs> no, but we also, also, we do got some big things coming up. Yes, like, we do. 
some stuff that if you're a wrestling fan the way we are and stuff like that, you're really going to enjoy the, the content that we're going to push out. Absolutely. So my final send-off is thank you guys for joining me this week on the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. Check out all of the shows here on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. And we will see you next week as we continue my, our journey. My final send-off is Dino. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Yeah, but have a good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>